Chapter 3 of Grace Harlow with the American Army on the Rhine by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ashley Jane. Chapter 3 The Iron Hand. Captain Rowland sat at a table that had seen more prosperous days, and the camp chair that he was using creaked ominously. Elfreda Briggs feared that it was about to collapse under him, for the captain was not a slight man by any means. Neither Overton girl had ever before met Captain Rowland, but they had heard of him as a severe man, cold and not always as just as were most of his fellow officers, so rumour had said. Mrs Smythe was seated on a camp stool just back of the captain, and with her was a young woman that Grace had never seen before, though she afterwards learned that the girl was Marie de Bussy, a French woman who, it appeared, was acting as the supervisor's maid. Except for the lieutenant who had assisted Mrs. Smythe on the occasion of her rescue from the river, there were no others present. "'Are you Mrs. Grace Gray?' demanded the captain, fixing a stern look on Grace Harlow. "'I am, sir. What right have you to those decorations?' he demanded, pointing an accusing finger at her. Grace, for the instant, was staggered. She found herself at a loss to answer. "'Sir?' he repeated the question, but more sharply accentuated than before. "'With all respect, sir,' Your question carries with it an inference not at all creditable to me. Elfreda Briggs was proud of Grace. She could not have said it better herself, and being a lawyer, Elfreda ordinarily was quite equal to making the retort courteous. The face of the army officer hardened, but before he could reply, Grace continued. The decorations, sir, were awarded to me one by the commander-in-chief and the other by the French government. For what? I have frequently asked myself that very same question, sir, replied the Overton girl. This is a military inquiry, Mrs. Gray. You will answer my questions directly. Why were you awarded the decorations you were wearing? Grace's face hardened ever so little, and Elfreda looked for an explosion, but none came. If you will pardon me, I must be excused from answering. The records will show why I am wearing them. General Gordon knows something of this matter. May I ask why you are pressing me on this point, sir? You may. It has been said that you were wearing decorations to which you had no right. This is a very serious accusation, madame. Grace caught her breath sharply. Then the person who told you that either was misinformed or was telling a malicious falsehood, she declared with some heat, fixing a steady look on Mrs. Chadsey Smythe. You see, Captain, the woman is an impertinent creature, interjected Mrs. Smythe. The captain waved a hand for her to be silent. I will attend to that phase of the matter later on. You wrecked an automobile today and imperilled the lives of your passengers. I am informed that previous to the accident you had been driving recklessly, doing so with the intent to intimidate your passenger, and at the same time endangering other lives. Is this true? 
I was driving rather fast, I will admit, sir. Why? Mrs. Smythe ordered me to do so, and accused me of being afraid to speed up, so I speeded up. That, however, had nothing to do with the accident. At the time of the crash I was following an officer's car. A truck crowded me against the bridge railing. Understand, sir, I am not excusing myself. In a way I was not wholly blameless for the accident, because I was driving too fast for the crowded condition of the road. So far as intent was concerned, it is foolish to assume that there could have been anything of that sort. I had my own neck to consider, as well as those of my passengers. How fast were you driving? About thirty-five miles an hour, I should say. What experience have you had in driving a car? I have been driving an ambulance on the western front for many months, sir. Previously to coming overseas, I had been driving for several years. I consider myself a fairly successful driver. I understand that you have had accidents before this one. Naturally, sir. One cannot drive an ambulance at the front in wartime without having more or less trouble, as you know, and I cannot understand why so much should have been made of this accident by my superior. It was an accident. I was driving fast, but I deny most emphatically that I was careless or that a slower rate of speed would have prevented the collision. Others will be the judge of that, Mrs Gray, rebuked the officer. Mrs. Smythe makes a further charge against you. She asserts that, after you fell into the river, you handled her roughly. Not only that, but you tried to drown her. Mrs. Smythe is in error. You held my head under water, cried the supervisor. I was trying to rescue you, Mrs. Smythe, but you fought me, and to save you, I was obliged first to subdue you. The accusation is preposterous. I'm not a hun. Are there any other charges, Captain? I believe not. Those already named are quite sufficient. Mrs. Smythe, is there anything you wish to add to the statement you have already made? Questioned the Captain. Yes, there is. I demand that this woman be dismissed from the service. She is unfit for our purposes, and I refuse to have anything further to do with her, declared the supervisor heatedly. Grace smiled down on her superior, but made no comment. "'That I cannot do,' answered the captain. "'The most that I am empowered to do is to request her organisation to withdraw her from your service.' "'I should say, however, that such a request had best come from you. "'However, I agree with you that Mrs Gray should be punished for what verges on criminal carelessness.' I should say it was criminal carelessness, muttered the angry woman. What I can do is relieve her from my duty until... Sir, interjected Grace Harlow in an even tone, as I understand the military law in the case, you have no authority to do even that. You can recommend, but you have no authority to go further. I shall be obliged to stand on my rights. I say this in no spirit of insubordination, and with full knowledge that I am responsible to the military authorities for my conduct. If it is your belief that I should be relieved from duty, I hope you will make the recommendation to your superior, 
who, in turn, can pass the recommendation on to a higher authority. By the time these formalities have been observed, we undoubtedly shall have arrived at the Rhine, where a more formal hearing may be more conveniently held. I hope I have made myself perfectly clear, both as to meaning and intent, sir. Perfectly, observed the captain sarcastically. I agree with you in your interpretation of your rights in this case, and I shall, as you suggest, make my recommendations to my superior officer. Thank you. My recommendation will be that you be dismissed from service with the Army of Occupation, and return to your organisation in Paris. That is all, Mrs Gray. In the meantime, you will proceed with your work as before. A car will be turned over to you tomorrow morning. That's all. End of chapter 3 Recording by Ashley Jane